Bonjour, and welcome to the Nixcast Fanthropological Institute. Today we're flapping our capes in the breeze as we talk about the fans of Arsène Lupin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. We're in France this week, and that means that we are going to be talking about fans of Gentleman Thief, Arsène Lupin. And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Bonjour, je m'appelle Nick T. Uh, je ne peux parler français. And Nick Z. Hi, I'm just here for the, uh, the caped crusader. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's what this is about, right? <laughs> Which Cape Crusader would that be, Z? Uh, you know, the one who uh, is gentlemanly and very well-to-do, but uh, he breaks the law and kind of takes justice into his own hands. Oh, I think I've seen him up and down Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I don't know if Arsene Lupin meets out justice. <laughs> well. I mean, he helps the less fortunate, certainly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't know if he throws down with anyone. This is the first time we've ever tried to do a fandom episode that is, I, I guess, not... It's not even Anglo-centric that's the problem. It's that a lot of the fans are not English-speaking fans. Mm-hmm. So No, uh, it's 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 barely a speck on the radar outside of, like, Francophones. Yeah. Because all of all of the works were, were, were in French, so it uh, doesn't have the same sphere of influence. So we took the channel away from everything we knew yeah. and headlong into bilingual research. Contrary to what I've been told, the, the French people were actually quite kind. Uh, I just didn't understand a word of what they said. My Quebecois French was no match <laughs> for Parisian yeah. French. Yeah, you, you tried and they just did, they didn't even understand you. Yeah, they were like, ah, Joel pigs. No, I'm kidding. I'm Oh my goodness. But in case you tuned in and you don't actually know who Arsene Lupin is, let's fix that by digging into some fandom facts. Fandom facts. The origin of Arsene Lupin is, of course, he is uh, a gentleman thief. I wrote in my notes originally the archetypical gentleman thief and uh, was wrong, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Uh, but he is perhaps one of the most well-known gentleman thieves and master of disguise. He is the creation of Maurice Leblanc, uh, author of short stories and often described as a French counterpart to Arthur Conan Doyle, who you may know as the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Or maybe he is Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if we got to the bottom of that in a previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> Lupin, originally Lopin, uh, until a local politician of the same name protested. <laughs> was featured in 17 novels, 39 novellas since his debut in 1905, which I'm not going to bring up Sherlock Holmes all the time, but when I do, it's going to be in reference to when Sherlock Holmes came out, which was 18 years earlier. He was in five authorized sequels in the 1970s. Uh, LeBlanc had passed away in 1941 uh, and many other different mediums. While often portrays as a force for good, Lupin tends to operate on the wrong side of the law. His stories sometime take on a fantastic tone with some stories having invoked uh, the fountain of youth and a radioactive god stone mm-hmm. Ooh, the philosopher's stone even 
I mean, probably. I think, I think, I think that's what it was supposed to be. But maybe, maybe the French have a different word for philosopher's stone. It was what I saw was Godstone, but it could easily be a philosopher's stone. Okay, so what's the first Harry Potter book called in French? <laughs> well, well, G is participating in the national pastime of the Knicks cast, uh, <laughs> doing research on the air. So when was the fandom most active? This is always hard to pin down and even harder because I think, personally, that uh, our San Lupin fandom is very concentrated and probably more concentrated towards the origins of the character. That being said, looking at Google Trends data, there's not a lot of search traffic for the term. I accidentally compared it to Lupin the Third, and it was grossly outclassed <laughs> by searches oh. for that uh, character. Um, but there was a recent spike in interest uh, in October 2004, May 2005, and December 2007 for Arsène Lupin as a search term. Can any of you guess why that was? Was there a movie released? There was a movie. That was one of them. All right. Hmm. So 2003? 2004. Huh. If one of them was a movie, it would be lame. If another one was a television show, was, was another one a television show? Another one was a television show. Okay. I won't draw it out too much. Uh, in 2004, uh, there was a French crime adventure film named Arsène Lupin, which I believe covers like four or five of the short stories. In May 2005, there's an anthology of short works called Tales of the Shadow Men, mm-hmm. which has various characters involved, uh, one of which is Arsène Lupin. To the best of my knowledge, that is probably what the May 2005 one was about. And in December 2007, a show called Lupin, was released in the Philippines Oh, uh, that ran from <laughs> April to August of 2007. Oh, okay. So probably that. Yeah. Before I ask my next question, the first Harry Potter book in French is Harry Potter à l'école des sorcières. Mm. The sorcerer's they, school. They don't even touch it. They don't <laughs> even touch it. <laughs> Whatever. Harry Potter and a bunch of wizards. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, was there a spike in 2016 by any chance? I didn't see one. Interesting. Okay. Why? What happened in 2016? Is that not when Persona 5 came out? Yeah. Oh, but I, I think he that character has a different name, right? It's like the yes. Joker yes. or the Phantom of Hearts or something. He's named Arsene. Oh, but yeah. But, I think, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Persona that you get from him or something is called the Joker. Because I saw that mm-hmm. come up a few times when I was reading about that uh, that adaptation. Well, let's just use whole research on the air thing. <laughs> there is a small spike in April of 2017. Oh, and maybe a it came out. Small spike in. Nope, that's much too far. Nope, I no get, idea. I guess it came out in April. I don't really remember. Feels like it's been around forever. Uh, <laughs> not that I've played it, but people tweet about it a lot. I'm sure everybody who really wanted to play that game has already finished it at least twice. Yeah. Despite the Persona games having a reputation for being really long. Jeez. Yeah. Um, in terms of how popular it is around the world, I have no idea. Let's start with that. <laughs> if I was if I was thinking, if I was not in a sleep-addled stupor when I was doing my research, I would have actually looked at where the search results for our San Lupin mm came from or i just reopened that tab that i totally just closed uh so Mm -hmm. let's pretend that part never happened and while it's loading 
Oh yeah, there we go. So France. France is unsurprisingly the most popular area search for Arsene Lupin, um, as well as some areas in the Philippines mm-hmm. uh, and other parts of Southeast Asia, a little bit in Canada, not so much in the U.S. Very concentrated to those areas. I should have looked up why there was a Lupin program made in the Philippines, uh, but did not. That is forever to remain an unanswered <laughs> question on this podcast, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak to the Philippines in, in particular, but in terms of China, there was a history of uh, detective novels being fairly popular there since the middle to the late part of the Qing Dynasty, so around the 1800s. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I couldn't find any famous fan works. I did find related fandoms. Okay. Well, they're not super surprising. Knighthood, which is, of course, uh, a Canadian production about hey. Arsene Lupin. Lupin the Third, which is very loosely based off of the character, a, a Japanese anime. Common uh, Rider. What? Yeah, yeah. Phantomas. And this one is probably, I would say, an emerging fandom because it hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. But it seemed like it was worth mentioning just because of the nature of the origin of it. Um, there is an upcoming... That's right. I'm going to talk about an emerging fandom on the air without doing any research. This is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. There is an upcoming... Uh, I think it's an anime and a manga series called Kid Phantom. Okay. It is by the same person who made Detective Conan, hmm. which, as far as I have I can understand, is like 800 or something episodes. It is the 14th longest-running wow. anime series. It Man. is long. It is long and long-lived. And Detective Conan is itself about a character that's very Sherlock... Holmesian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kid Phantom is featured in Detective Conan, and I think the idea is that it's spinning off into its own series. Mm. But it hasn't happened yet, so... <laughs> so watch out. Yeah. Yeah. Arsene Lupin, fertile soil for anime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? We'll get to that later. We'll get to that <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah, sure. In terms of fanfics, how many fanfics about uh, Maurice LeBanc's Arsene Lupin, do you think there are an archive of our own? I'm going to say 300. Okay. How about you, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the answer is, I'm hoping the answer is not zero. <laughs> because you said a specific website. Yeah. But it's, we'll see. It's not zero. I will tip my hand. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, because it is a predominantly French, I guess, just to really simplify, non-English fandom and uh, archive of our own, fanfiction.net, and the bigger fanfic sites tend to be English it's probably pretty low. I'm going to say 200. Okay. Closest without overbidding. Well, you both <laughs> overbid. What? Oh, dang. Um, there are only 18 fan works <laughs> on Archive of Our Own related to Maurice LeBlanc's Arsène Lupin. There are, however, 161 fan works related to Lupin the Third. in which case you still both would have overbid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. So... Now, Lupin the Third came out like the original series came out a long time ago. So that's not super surprising. I would expect more of those to be on um, fanfiction.net, mm. which I did not look up just based on my preliminary results. Now, to add on to that, I will say that much like um, what we ran into with Sherlock, fanfics or other authors apart from the original author taking on the character were known as pastiches. Yes. And there's quite a few for Arsene Lupin. The first one mm. in 1909. Wait, what? 1909? Four 1905? Years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems like a long time now, but when you think about the difference between the world now and the world then, it's more believable because you actually have to 
physically write things and then get them published and then distribute them. Whereas now I can do all of that in probably <laughs> under like a minute. In fact, yeah. I literally pre- pressed a button to say, hey, the, <laughs> the stream is yeah. going live. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not a lot of information on this page. Uh, but it says that some of the authors obtained agreement from the heirs of Maurice LeBlanc mm. to continue writing. And yeah. Some of them didn't. Some just wrote it. <laughs> uh, it's been public domain since 2011 in France. Oh. Oh, yeah. sorry. That's that's. I was like, oh, that's a long time. And then I was like, no, 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 no. 2011. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we can all make Arsene Lupin uh, pastiches. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that actually... <laughs> including a couple erotic pastiches. Ooh. Perfect. <laughs> that, I, that just fits the bill, though, right? I mean, like, yeah. not to stereotype France or fan fiction, but come on. I don't want to lit- like repeat it literally because mm-hmm. it's being translated by Google, yeah. so oh. it, w- it won't get across like their exact word choices and stuff. Yeah. But it does say under erotic pastiches that LeBlanc tried it, and it's pretty much just one step away from the actual stories <laughs> oh, man. okay not so much that but uh, they mentioned that there were a few people who did it with permission some without permission um, i was reminded of uh, one title that i came across written in russia in 2008 called the prisoner of the tower or a short but beautiful journey of three wise men by boris hmm. uh, boris akunian interesting so it made it over there. Yes. In my research, I found out there have been quite a few like manga and anime, obviously inspired by or just directly translated from. Uh, Aventurier Shinyaku Arsène Lupin, which is, I think, um, like a short manga series that was never released in North America, but was released mm. in France, which tells the tales of Arsène Lupin. Mm. Didn't make it over here. So if you are in France and feel <laughs> like doing us a favor hey hey that's not a reach at all yes sir send that to p.o box five 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 well and then we'll pick it up (laughs) i I know we mentioned the difficulty of the research at, at first but it also i guess shows how limited um it is working strictly within your own like language world, mm. like as soon as if we, it's if it's not English, <laughs> then there's got to be a lot of passionate people around it, or else you won't find it in English. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember the quote. I might have Douglas Adams or something like that. And he says like, "The best thing I did as an author is have English as my native language." <laughs> I have I know mm-hmm. like a writer who's like incredible, but only writes in Finnish, so he has a possible readership of like. 30 million or something like that yeah yeah even in even in countries where books are like a big part of the culture mm-hmm. like uh, uh sweden or switzerland you know up there um because well because they're writing in uh because they're writing in german or you know like norse or or norse nordic some sort of nordic tongue boy oh boy how about norwegian maybe there we go. maybe <laughs> no no they're they're Danish. writing in old norse they're they're all vikings yeah right? sure you know, nobody else can understand the runes, so. Like, oh. <laughs> but but my my point was simply that uh, you know it's very easy to go from English to a another language that's maybe not spoken quite so widely, but it's much much more difficult to go the other way. 
Yeah. Mostly because like with English, it's such a big language. So many people are writing, are writing in it. So there's no room for translations. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you create a smash, yeah, it, it like by force of will, it will yeah. go into English. Yeah. Like the girl with the dragon tattoo. For yeah. Example. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Without digging into the why just yet, I was wondering if uh, you two were interested in going back to our famous last words from last week. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. I'll start with G's because it's the most Z-like. I don't know. I'm going to go with G's because it's a statement for once. Yeah. G said in last week's famous last words, and I believe I've quoted him verbatim. All right. Arsene Lupin is an old-timey thing and isn't relevant anymore. Period. Yeah, okay. That's that's about what I said. I'm going to say that that's, that's actually not true. Oh. If it was relevant when it was around in its infancy, it's relevant now. Like, to the same degree. Like, f- from everything I've read from, like, blogs and articles and things like that, from, from people in France, it's they're very much treated like they're Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone kind of knows who Arsène Lupin is and, like, knows the gist of the character. Yeah. And, and like, you know, the archetype of the gentleman thief and so on. So, like, yeah, it was never as relevant to, you know, people outside the French-speaking world. But I think inside it, the idea of it is probably just as much as now like they're still adapting it like they are sherlock mm-hmm. holmes so yeah i i think i was wrong in that statement oh okay if i can just throw something in no uh, please do to g's <laughs> g's answer here uh it's just a little tidbit that i found really interesting that uh originally when sherlock holmes actually shows up in the arsene lupin stories conan doyle slapped maurice leblanc with a lawsuit and was like hey you can't use my character so uh, Maurice LeBlanc, being a very clever man of letters, uh, came up with the name Herlock Sholmes. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but the, th- the thing is, though, even though now, you know, Sherlock Holmes is uh, public domain, so it doesn't matter. As is matter, Arsene Lupin. As is Arsene Lupin. In uh, editions outside of France, Herlock Sholmes is changed to Sherlock Holmes. But within France... <laughs> It's still Herlock Sholmes because they got so used to it, became so iconic that it's like <laughs> it's like an older version of Sherlock Holmes, but not the same character in France. It's, it's this weird That's thing where like it morphed. Yeah. Well, because it was LeBlanc writing Holmes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he... Go ahead. I was just going to say also it was 18 years later. One of the things that I had read is, um, aside from the on-the-nose description of Herlock Holmes as being couldn't possibly be like Sherlock Holmes. He's much older and more tired. But like <laughs> historically, that gives plausibility to it. it's like oh well, it's eighteen years later. This person mm. is is like Sherlock Holmes has retired, and yeah. so now himself as a detective is is a very different kind of person. He's like um, oh, what was that movie that had? Was it called Mister Holmes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah, Did anybody else other than me see it? No. Uh, so there's the TV tropes. First of all, learning the TV tropes is way more useful than just like getting very engrossed in minutia that definitely don't matter. And there was an article on our Saint Lupin in there, and a lot of it was the same information. But the useful bit of TV tropes for me is at the bottom, they list all the tropes that are used. And I didn't really care so much about that, but just browsing through it leisurely um herlock Sholmes shows up a lot of times not even as a foil just as like an annoyance hmm. 
Yes. There's times where uh, Arsene Lupin literally like sends him home in a box. <laughs> Arsene Lupin is on his way back after just escaping from somewhere and Herlock Sholmes is like the driver of the taxi. There's like this little <laughs> bit of banter back and forth, but it's not like a rivalry. It's not like mm-hmm. that. It's just like little little nods. I don't know. I thought it was neat. Mm. <laughs> they kind of made his own character out of out of an existing character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, the French perspective of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More on that uh, shortly. Okay. Yes. But what about Z's uh, famous last words? I wrote down the words, uh, so I am obviously the maker of the truth. Z's famous last words from last week were, why did Japan think that there would be enough of a fandom for an anime? All right. Well, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> I can tell you that that uh, a gentleman by the name of Monkey Punch, yeah. or legally known as Kazuhiko Kato, created the Lupin the Third manga series because he he really admired the Arsene Lupin stories, but he wanted to make a, a comedy adventure story out of them, and he kind of wanted to combine uh, James Bond and Arsene Lupin to create this like fun, carefree guy who's also a super awesome thief but not nearly as subtle with the ladies or with the crimes as his great grandfather was <laughs> and he also pulled on mad magazine apparently for some of the influence and uh wanted to have like a sort of tom and jerry kind of uh kind of dynamic between lupin, lupin the third and the the inspector zanigata so i think all of those elements just came together in 1960s japan just couldn't get enough because it became this huge transmedia franchise that covered manga and anime like not just one anime though it was several anime and apparently each anime gives lupin a different color a different colored jacket so they're known by the color of his jacket yeah, the blue jacket series and the yeah. red jacket series yeah and the, yeah yeah but then you've got also uh, movies and tv shows and video games and particularly with video games, I found it really interesting that uh, it's not just adaptations that have have marked Lupin uh, III's success in Japan, but also the influences that it's had on various people making various things. And in particular, apparently Hideo Kojima, uh, talking about the character of Snake in Metal Gear Solid, said that he was supposed to be sort of like Lupin III, cracking what? jokes and being all badass. Colonel. <laughs> no, I can't even. I can't even think what he would say. <laughs> Meryl. Colonel, what is I've this popcorn? To, I've got to steal the diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just Hideo Kojima's word. I don't know. He's a he's a pretty interesting guy. Oh yeah. Oh, oh we yeah. should definitely do an episode on Hideo Kojima. Yeah. Oh uh, dang. Fans of. But. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing one single number at this though uh in 2012 tokyo polytechnic university did a survey to find out what people consider part of cool japan Uh, and for those who may not know cool japan is like this sort of official recognition of the cultural properties that japan has created that give them soft power that like people recognize as being part of japan and really admiring anime Mm -hmm. being a really big one but anyway in this 2012 survey, 
they found that 38.7% of the people surveyed said that Lupin III counts as part of cool Japan. Oh, Whoa. neat. Yeah. Fun little addendum about Lupin III and Lupin I. Apparently in the anime, whenever they depict Lupin I, which is rare, mm-hmm. they always do it in the same way. They have the like iconic you know, top hat, cane, and uh, monocle. And then they just take <laughs> Lupin the Third and put his face in. <laughs> it's just like they're just like, uh, well, they're related, so you know they look the same. Just yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, my famous last words, which are, you know, probably getting definitely to the heart of the why. Why? Were why was Sherlock Holmes so popular? Sherlock Holmes, uh, cool, detective reasoning, whatever. But we have, with Arsene Lupin, we've got a good guy on the wrong side of the law. That seems way more interesting. Why was that not more popular? Mm-hmm. I feel like the answer is because it was in French. Yeah, prob- probably. <laughs> like like the, boring, the boring answer. Yeah. yeah. But yep. when we said the famous last words, we had not started the research on Arsene Lupin. I had no mm-hmm. idea that the shadow of Sherlock Holmes cast so long across Arsene Lupin. I didn't realize Herlock Sholmes would be appearing. <laughs> and there'd be constant comparisons. I mean, but they're like, they're perfect foils. Because they're not the same. No. Like, you know, Sherlock Holmes would have to solve the case of, of a theft per- perpetrated by Arsene Lupin. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, like, Sherlock solves other people's cases for himself. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, he's doing it just to scratch the itch in his brain. Like, he doesn't care if someone died or, like, or what the actual circumstances are. He just wants, like, a puzzle. Whereas uh, Arsene Lupin is, like, like Robin, it's, like, for the good of the people. He could sit in his fancy mansion and his fancy clothes. (laughs) And there's there's mention made of, like, he is not dressed like a thief. No. Like, thieves don't... (laughs) Thieves don't have, you know, top hat and cape. (laughs) No. But uh, he's, I don't know, he's, he's making a big deal of it and, you know, given, given back to the people. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, opposite motivations. And I don't know if you can read something in different. But there's certainly a lot of like, uh, well, in England they have Sherlock Holmes, but the, but in France we have Arsène Le Pen, who's a much more heroic character and, you know, yeah, all that. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that. I wonder if part of the why is, is that distinction between the two, because when I think of Sherlock Holmes, as he is described literarily, mostly as the two of you have described, because I have not actually read any Sherlock Holmes, he often comes across, and I think this was mentioned previously, as being very English. Yes. <laughs> like, very dis- not uh, disconnected isn't the right word, but like, unconcerned. Aloof, Aloof yes. He's like, ah, I've solved everything. It's like, but all these people are dead. It's like, well... Where's my heroine? <laughs> or cocaine, sir. Didn't bother yeah. that. Whereas our, our Saint Lupin, um, and this is working off of stereotypes of, of French culture. I wish I knew more, um, but like, is a is a person driven more by passion? He steals works of art, not because he wants them, not because he needs them, uh, not for the money, but because the people who own them don't appreciate them. Yes, it's all about passion. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Even in knighthood which is loosely based off of Arsène Lupin as well, you have, like, Arsène Lupin and this, like, rich industrialist (laughs) 
who um, I don't remember very much of, but I presume is doing all these different schemes to like exploit people and ruin their lives. And Arsene Lupin, in his day persona, less like Batman, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's like, I'm going to do the things that I can to make this better. And his night persona like sabotages his efforts and tries to expose him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know about Sherlock Holmes's origin story, but uh, even Arsene Lupin's origin story is fairly humanizing he discovered that he wanted to be a thief when he was very young uh his mother was a maid for a rich family oh okay (laughs) well she couldn't get any medicare and her the 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 rich family wasn't paying her what she deserved so uh he successfully stole one of the i think one of the the wife's diamond necklaces or something and sold it and then used that money to pay for his mom's medical care um, but he he stole it so well and so successfully that nobody ever found out who stole it. From that moment on, he knew. He knew. So I realized there was knighthood and, and whatnot, but like mm-hmm. the name, the title or name, knighthood. But Arsène Lupin doesn't seem to have a secret identity. No. Like Arsène. Oh, I see. There's no well, day and night. There's just like one man. Having not no. read, having not read the books. Either he is not known or identified by a name when he's dressed for thieving, or people know that he is a thief. I think people know that he's a thief because one of the things that like he is very famous for, I'm just reading a few little bits and pieces of the books for this episode, is leaving a calling card. Oh, okay, so yeah. Like, people, for example... People who want to be mysterious do not leave calling cards. <laughs> No, no, like I remember, I, I don't remember which story it's attached to, but an example of one of the calling cards is, uh, he. I guess it was left in somebody's mail slot. It's like this little note that says, you know, this painting looks very nice, this painting looks very nice, and uh, I really want that painting too. And, um, you know, we can do this very easily if you just give them to me at this address by such and such a date. If you do not do that, then I will be removing them from your domicile on such and such a date. <laughs> Love it. So I don't think the the device was that he was this genius mystery shadow that vanished and reappeared somewhere else holding your most valuable possessions, but uh, that he was a master of disguise. That was one of the interesting things that I'd read too. Yeah. Read about, not read in the stories. Again, we only have a week to do the research. (laughs) Uh, But one of the interesting Mm. things that I'd read was that when you read a Arsene Lupin story, unlike with Sherlock Holmes, you're always wondering, oh, which one of these people is Arsène Lupin? Is he the narrator? Is he uh, the inspector? Because apparently uh, in the stories, he was part of some investigative unit. He was part of the police, Mm -hmm. strangely. Um, But you never know which person he is going to be because he's the master of disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Sherlock was also supposed to be one, but it was used far less. Mm-hmm. I remember it coming up in different depictions of him, but I I don't know how much it came in. It's a lot like in Sailor Moon with the disguise pen. After the first season, <laughs> they pretty much don't use it. Am I right? Am I right? That's right. <laughs> yeah? I don't know how I got to bring that up. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes is Sailor Moon. Done. They're one in the same character. We've tied together every fandom. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. I think it's all just a little boy's dream. Anyway. Don't go down that mm. rabbit hole. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Well, I mean, along with the disguises, he also traveled to different locales. Wasn't just limited to uh, mm-hmm. 33 and a third or whatever Baker Street. This isn't the naked gun. 221B. Thank you, 221B. In fact, now that you mention it, Z, oh. if you read French or find a decent translation, you can download for a very reasonable price of, I think it's five euros or something, the roadmap of Arsène Lupin. Oh, wow. Oh, you can travel all across oh, cool. France to all the different locations that um, like Lupin was described as being and where the author went and you know where the author got inspired to write a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. That's really neat. More than 35 sites. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, geez, since you've somehow become the resident expert on Arsene <laughs> Lupin, I'm going to just call it as that. Yeah. Yeah. I took a very Anglo-centric approach to the research, which is unfortunate in this particular case, as previously described. Yes. We've talked a lot about Arsène Lupin, the character, and a bit about like the appeal of the character in a general sense. But what is it about Arsène Lupin, the character, that you think makes him so popular, apparently to this day, in France and French-speaking places? Well, why don't I just uh, pull up an interview here? Oh, shoot. What? Yeah. Yeah, you are now the expert on yeah. Arsene Lupin. <laughs> Hello, Maurice LeBlanc. Not really. <laughs> There's a, a comic from a couple of years ago called The Thousand Mysteries of Arsene Lupin, hmm. uh, like a graphic novel. Okay. Yeah. And his interview with the writer and, and artist, Gallien and Mike Crobar. And they were asked what Lupin like means to them. This is not so badly translated, so I think it should come out all right. Gallien says he's a very ambiguous character. He's not a white knight. His part shadow with his uh, his violent attacks. I didn't know that he attacked people violently, but I'm sure only the, only the most horrible people. His irony and the play of masks, but he also has light to him. He's generous. He's a great heart. He's a man of honor. He's seductive. Has a lot of respect for women, especially for those who emancipate themselves. He's an extremely modern character, well ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike Crobar says he's a sparkling character, naturally classy, a true icon of popular culture. Asking only people to confront the dangers, colorful villains and whatnot, and and find solutions. Hmm. That one sounds like he's describing the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot comment on whether or not the doctor and Arsene Lupin bear similarities beyond the uh, visceral. Many faces. It was all a long con. (laughs) And... The interviewer was like, well, like, if we're talking French heroes, is he not at the top? And they both were like, I don't know about the word hero, which, which was interesting. They were like, he's a he's like, like a like an incredible literary character and like an icon. But like, let's stay away from the word hero, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this is a pretty good place for me to drop some more facts in. Yeah, sure. Okay, go for it. Particularly kind of harkening back a little bit to the uh, contrasting comparison to Sherlock Holmes. The first story appeared in 1905, as as we mentioned. And it appeared in the magazine Je Sais Tout, or I Know Everything, which was started by Pierre Lafitte, who had already started. Sorry, which is so similar to the way Sherlock was distributed as well. I mean, I guess that was yes, part yes. and parcel for the time. That was actually the exact idea, because this uh, Lafitte character had already started a few magazines aside from say too but with just say too he wanted to start a magazine and have a big story a big detective story because that was all the rage sort of in europe at the time he basically wanted um, to be punch 
Well, no, he wanted to be the Strand. Oh, the Strand, right? Not Punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wanted to have this big story because France was also in the the thrall of Sherlock mania, as you might yeah. say. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So he wanted to capitalize on this as a as a business person and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wanted he got his friend Maurice LeBlanc to come up with this uh, French response, uh, French Sherlock Holmes, if you will. Um, and Maurice LeBlanc had no idea. He's like, eh, whatever. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. But he threw something together, and it was a huge success. Since we're here talking about it, but, but I think the clencher isn't just that. You know, it sort of set itself up as the uh, rival to Sherlock Holmes, and uh, when Sherlock Holmes does appear, he's usually foiled by Arsène Lupin, sort of humiliating Britain in a very literary kind of way. Uh, which the French seem to enjoy. <laughs> but there's also a little little fact that I didn't know about until I came across it in a paper by uh, David Drake called Crime Fiction at the Time of the Exhibition, The Case of Sherlock Holmes and Arsène Lupin. And this little fact is that at the time, in the early 1900s in France, I'm guessing I want to say in Paris, but I don't know the city, it was a very common thing for thieves to be dressed like gentlemen. What? Ooh. Newspapers reported that you don't need to look for suspicious-looking miscreants. You need to be on the lookout for well-dressed men because they are the ones who will be robbing you. Oh, that, dang. That is ridiculous. And so, like, Arsène Lupin, this gentleman thief, fed on that. And, like, it just, it just sort of, uh, as is quoted in that paper encapsulated like this this quintessence of the time in France and that made it super popular then and like I guess captured the era so well that it's made it popular to this day in the same way that in English-speaking countries Victorian or in England I guess specifically Victorian England is still looked back on fondly oh dang man your mm-hmm. your guys's research took in a I, I took a completely different tack, which I don't even know if, if it's valid anymore. <laughs> I, was, I was scrambling at the last minute, I will admit, but pulled out that Google Scholar. I don't know. Oof. I don't know. I really, I really enjoyed doing the research for this episode once I got into it, actually. Oh, I enjoyed it. I just yeah. felt like I had, like, all right, I'm going to dig into what I thought was the why, and I will admit that I, I will admit defeat and that I was wrong. Uh, Lupin has stolen my, my reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I originally, before the two of you started talking about this historical reference and the the French perspective, was originally going to write off Arsène Lupin as a fandom as not um, a dead fandom, but an ancestral one. Hmm. Um, mm. I was some of my notes had talked about how the uniqueness of of Arsène Lupin had been washed away by many other concepts that succeeded him. G, you had mentioned. Arsène Lupin existing in the shadow of Sherlock Holmes and obviously as we talked about that's that's kind of hard to remove but nonetheless he exists as his own character I had taken the tack that it's like well we have this really cool concept and since then has been adapted into many different forms that have gone on to become their own unique things taking the fascinating intriguing elements of Arsène Lupin and distributing them into to different things where Sherlock Holmes kind of always you know, you always have the idea of the person in the houndstooth <laughs> deerstalker cap yep. with the with the pipe or some variation of that with the deductive reasoning. 
Um, I had even gone so far as to like name some of the the areas where the fandom may have reconcentrated, but honestly, it's it's just the concept of a phantom thief. Like I had like Phantomas, which mm-hmm. ran from 1911 to 1963, and Lupin the Third, which is run from 1967 to the present-ish, mm-hmm. um, as the most prominent examples. But honestly, like the concept of a phantom thief has shown up everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But that that line of of uh, research just completely. I don't think it's valid anymore. <laughs> like, like maybe fans of Arsene Lupin mm-hmm. are also fans of those things, but my Anglo-centric perspective just completely discounted other possibilities. I think that that research is still valid because, I mean, it's fair to say that even though Arsene Lupin may only really be popular, really have a fandom in France and maybe pockets of, uh, of Asia, it's just one of those things that's sort of the the original property in that way, you know? Like TV tropes... Uh, mentions that this is the, as far as they know, the first gentleman thief, the originator of the gentleman thief trope. So there will always be fans for sort of the original thing, I guess. But then there will also be these other variations that are maybe more culturally specific or more modernized. I I didn't really read up on uh, Phantomas or any of the others, so I can't really speak to them. But like, I imagine that they're, they're, also fairly popular because they spoke to people in a slightly different way what what i'd read about phantomas was that um, the character starts off completely unlike arsene lupin like okay. this kind of psychopathic killer um oh, man and thief i presume but um not too long after like because i think there were multiple authors when the second author comes around or a few years into the existence of the character they rapidly take on a Arsene Lupin kind of <laughs> gentleman thief. But I don't know. Maybe since I haven't read it, maybe Arsene Lupin's, as one of you had mentioned, like murderous tendencies were <laughs> more pronounced. The only thing like that I remember reading about was that uh, he usually will not fight people that he doesn't find just terrible people. Like extortion is something he can't stand. And I think there was some some other quality some other act but if you're not guilty of any of those things usually he's just just fine with you i guess he'd leave you tied up and let the police find you sort of thing i like you know he has morals which is yeah. like i'd like to see a tv character with morals again sometime anytime <laughs> you're, you're sick of the gray <laughs> sick bit. of the ambiguity a little bit i mean i guess the antidote just just lots and lots of superheroes but Go well as long as they're not DC superheroes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, but but just watch lots of Steven Universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've had your time too. Much time. Oh yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Got a yeah. good good energy to it. It's like there's, there's a couple shows that are you know that are positive. Yeah. Like if you took The Office and gave it a positive energy, then it would be Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very up show. But talking about the time of Arsene Lupin. Later on in this interview, when they're talking about the comic, they're like, did you think about, like, modernizing it? You know, like, with Sherlock and, and a bunch, like, a lot of characters have been updated. And they're saying that modernizing it would actually date it. Because it would be, like, of now, but, like, ten years from now, that, that'd be different. Uh, Whereas, yeah. you know, the time period that, are, that Lupin is set in, like, the, the Belle Epoque mm-hmm. and... 
you know, they're saying like conflicts with Germany and like it just yeah. Lupin fit perfectly in the in the time that he was in. Yeah, Sartre himself said that uh, he really enjoyed the, the stories as a, as a boy growing up, but it wasn't until he got a little older that he even realized that Germany was the real enemy in the uh, Arsene Lupin stories. Oh dang! Yeah. Right. When you brought Sartre into it, I was like, wait, I, apparently I have no idea when different <laughs> philosophers were alive. Was Sartre existentialism? Yeah. Yes. But not nihilism. That was someone else. No. Yes. But there's someone else. Sartre is hell as other people. Uh, okay. <laughs> yep. I mean, he would have he would have come to them after they were all originally written, I want to say. Like, he would have come to them in the 50s, 60s, or... So, not only does Sherlock Holmes interact with Lupin, or Herlock Sholmes interacts yes, with Lupin, yes. but the fandom reminds me of it. First of all, with the pastiches going back a long way, mm-hmm. and like the sort of academic study, which sort of comes yeah. up in this thing that I found that I was crossing my fingers that I would find. Lupinian Days 2017. Lupinian Days. Is yes. this like a journal? No, it's like a, it's like a convention. Oh! Oh, you found a convention? Yeah. What? So it's very like ordered. It's not mm. just like. No, like like anyone can come out who likes Arsene Lupin, but like okay, so I don't know if it's like it wasn't able to translate it or this is a weird translation, but I like it either way. <laughs> okay. All the fans call themselves Lupines. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. And it has the program. For the convention. It's not just like a big warehouse with stuff and everybody comes. 10 a.m. Ordinary General Assembly of the Association. Renewal of the Board of Directors. Okay, that that's that, yeah. that's fine. That's like a regular convention-y thing. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Dissemination, which I assume just means like the, the assembly is dispersed. Accompanied by a Lupinian aperitif. Ooh. Uh, Lupine procession in the streets of Etretat, which is um, the most famous location. It's like where LeBlanc lived for a long time and there's now like a Lupin museum oh, there. Oh, neat. neat. Yeah. They go to the restaurant and they have a Lupine banquet. <laughs> restaurant Le Roche Blanche. And the Lupine Symposium takes place at 1430, uh, featuring presentations with these names. The 813 stars of Arsène Lupin. Video archives of the Clos Lupin, which is the museum. How the election of Arsène Lupin at the Elysee would change the life of the nation. <laughs> a brief approach to Lupinian ethic. And some cases of Lupinization. Lupin, what? <laughs> no further information. <laughs> and then the event ends at 1730. Then at 20 o'clock. Free meal, it says. Ooh. And then on the Sunday, there's just a couple things. Uh, a visit of, of the gardens around where the uh, where the museum is. And that's it. Hmm. So I thought that was really cool. And it sounds like there's a lot oh, of yeah. like you know academic thought put into the yeah. study of Lupin, much like with Sherlock. Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> and that happened on May 20th, 2017. Hmm. Oh, that's, wow, that's recent. Yeah. Is that a yearly thing as well? I believe it is. Ooh. Cool. 
as soon as you mentioned that, I, I was thinking, oh, it's probably going to be a lot like the Tolkien mood and Tolkien studies and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sort of sounds like it is, but it this, really, this, this has a lot of food, yes. which is yes. great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that one about about what if Arsene Lupin was elected uh, <laughs> to presume the presidency. Man. Yeah, I was so so happy to find that. And that's put on by the Association of Friends of Arsene Lupin, hmm. which is like as official a group as I think there is. Man, things I've learned. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter how much research I do. <laughs> there's always something that I don't know. I guess I always knew that. True knowledge is no comes from knowing, knowing that you know nothing. Yeah, thanks, Socrates. <laughs> Just wind. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Also, there's an Arsène Lupin prize for police literature. Hmm. For police literature? I guess, you know, crime. That might that might be Google. Right? Oh. Okay, Putting yeah, police yeah. instead of crime, but like, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't find more information than that, but... I guess we'll never know what Lupinization means. Oh, man. <laughs> we weren't there. They just... You know? It's like, yeah, it's like, okay, it's like, um, you're, you're, you're there, you're at this event and it's like, all right, board of directs. He's like, all right, I don't really know what's going on, but this is cool. And then, uh, there's aperitifs and you're like, oh, great. This food's pretty tasty. And then I guess the lupinization and all of a sudden the lasers come out and there's like grappling hooks and like diamonds to steal. <laughs> and they're like going through the paces and you're like, what is going on? And then it's like, cool. And then we'll have dinner and you're like, no, what, 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 what was... What Wait, was that? What was that thing that just happened? It's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And then they like flourish their cape and disappear into the night. Man. En masse. Sexy. Man. Well, should we move on to the verdict? Get uh, the verdict is, of course, part of the show where we pass judgment on the fandom, not necessarily in a negative way, just kind of summarizing our thoughts, uh, maybe our feelings towards the thing that we researched this week. I don't remember who started off last week, so I leave it to G to decide. I feel like I did. Oh, okay. I didn't say you have to go. I just, you get to decide. I decide that, that you will go first. Oh, too. no. <laughs> okay. All right. So... I already mentioned how I am totally wrong on Arsene Lupin fandom being a dead thing. Um, that being said, I am definitely interested in doing more research into this to seeing just what else is out there. Because I feel like I didn't really scratch the surface and maybe there's not a huge amount more, but I'm curious as to what stuck in the French people's minds about this character that was... Maybe not necessarily inspired by, but definitely has a, a strong relationship with the literary character of Sherlock Holmes. I absolutely love Lupin the uh, Third, mm-hmm. having not seen all of it. Um, I love the concept of a gentleman thief mm-hmm. playing a Pathfinder game, and that's hey. the kind of character that I wanted to go for. Doesn't fit the campaign, but I don't care. <laughs> I just love it. The whole, like, not necessarily White Knight, but kind of like dashing cultured person don't know who they are who they could be stealing away your hearts like a lot of the things that i've, I've watched and seen kind of reflect that a little bit of kamikaze kaito jun <laughs> which is like a, f- a female phantom thief i don't know, love it 
so I'll probably actually do some more reading. Maybe I'll dig up some some translations of the Arsene Lupin graphic novel. If that graphic novel is available in English, that'd be that'd be really cool. I like being completely honest with myself. Would I read Arsene Lupin? No. Would I read a graphic novel of Arsene Lupin? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've definitely learned at least something from one set of graphic novels. I don't remember which. I will consult the shelf and get back to you. Uh, so I, I, I think it is, is alive. It is quite small. And I am interested in reading more Arsene Lupin stuff specifically, not the derivatives. All right. I'm in. All right. Z. Uh, well... Much like how uh, Pierre Lafitte asked Maurice LeBlanc for a French answer to the British question of Sherlock Holmes, I am going to say that uh, unlike with the Sherlock Holmes fandom, uh, which I had zero interest in following up, zero interest in being in, uh, I am I'm very curious about Arsène Lupin. And uh, I'm very curious to actually to read the novels and the novellas that... Uh, Monsieur LeBlanc wrote just the idea that you know you never know where Arsène Lupin is going to show up in the story he could be the inspector he could be I don't know a dog catcher I guess or just whatever or the narrator and you don't know until the end I find that really like a really fascinating device a really fascinating way to tell a story and it fits perfectly with the whole master of disguise thing because it's it's like the best way to show that and it's it also just like I, unfortunately, it wasn't any use for the research, but I came across this uh, this site called uh, thepulp.net, um, which was all about pulp novels and pulp fiction, that kind of thing. And uh, I find myself very fascinated by pulp because it's sort of like the B-movies of the literary world. Yes. And, you know, maybe B-movie plots aren't the most twisty or well put together, but they're they're super fascinating. They're really interesting to, like, see, you know, zombies coming out of an atomic blast like sure a tornado made out of sharks okay yeah they're not so much to make you think as to go whoa yeah yeah and i mean i think if you added a dash of uh of french class to it as uh as, as must be the case with arsene lupin it's just going to be that much better so i really want to go and, and check out those novels those even just the short stories honestly uh, which is maybe more realistic but uh, yeah, I am in. You sure you don't want to check out the 2004 film Arsène Lupin? Possibly. Don't check. I mean, don't watch it. <laughs> aside I, from aside from LeBlanc's stories, I'd also want to see more of Lupin the Third. Okay. I just I decided to look up how the movie did because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, they made it into a movie. Uh, it had like a 50% for the viewers on Rotten Tomatoes. There was no critics rating, probably because mm-hmm. it's Anglo-centric. And on IMDb, it also had like a four or a five out of ten. Yeah. Mm. Well, dang. The reviews sounded interesting. Mm. Well, that just leaves Yuji. For the first time in, I don't know how long, it may not actually be that long, I literally don't remember how long, uh, it is unanimous. I'm uh, in. Turkey. This guy's cool as heck. Is Arsene Lupin. <laughs> I realize that's like the whole point of him. But like, I don't know. It's like, you know, stumbling across this this thing that was there the whole time, but you didn't didn't realize it because, you know, it's from another country and in another language. Mm-hmm. On the same literary level as, as a Sherlock Holmes, but but an entirely different character. And yeah. I'm definitely interested in in 
specifically reading like some of the original stories and novels because not only do I want to see where Lupin comes from and what the character of Lupin's like all about, I'm interested in reading about France at that time because I don't know much about France at that. That's La Belle Epoque. Yeah, that's that's some cool stuff going down. It's it's, it's really predicated on cool. This guy, <laughs> as as so much of French culture is. Subaku. Subaku. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's certainly a legacy. It is ancestral, as you said, T. I just don't think it's it's gone. People are still finding ways to make him relevant or make people interested. And uh, it has a following, a largely Francophone mm-hmm. following. I don't know how easy it's going to be to find some of these things. Yeah. Like, probably not going to pull it up on Netflix or something. <laughs> So, so sorry, just just reflecting on things for a bit, I was just like, man, maybe the reason we haven't heard about Arsène Lupin is because the English are like, we're better than the French. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, oh, we don't need maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So like, being in requires a slightly higher level of dedication than some other things, than like Star Wars, which are very oh, you yeah. can easily you can watch mm-hmm. them without any problems. So like, this might require a little bit of digging, but yeah. I super love doing the research for this because, I don't know, like finding out about fandom that's not like North American was yeah. really cool, which is what the plan is for this season. So I'm looking forward to it. If I can find that graphic novel in English. Heck yeah, man. I think it's I think it's five mm-hmm. volumes. Ooh. All like right. To be completely honest, it's probably got some scanlation online, As, but I'm yeah. curious yeah. if there is some official English translation or reasonable approximation thereof. Just to support the official release, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I'm in. Cool. All right. It's time for the spotlight. Spotlight. I have one illegitimate spotlight, which you all know what it is. Mm. And I don't actually have a spotlight for this week, but I did find. This random incidental thing that I'm going to bring up now because I thought it was neat and you're stuck listening to me. Hey. Hey. I, I tried really hard to find something relevant. Was trying to find something about Phantom Thieves or like Lupin the Third or like Arsene Lupin. Nothing, not a bupkiss. But I did come across this really cool phenomenon that happened to have mentioned Arsene Lupin, which is why it showed up on my radar at all. This is basically just a very small things you didn't know about instead of a spotlight uh there is this phenomenon called the tiger mask donation phenomenon Mm. that happened in japan um i know about tiger mask yeah you know about tiger mask but you may not know about i do not know about this phenomenon ah okay so uh what had happened was in japan there was this random donation for 10 30,000 yen backpacks at a child guidance center on christmas of 2010 30,000 yen is like 300? 10 times 300,000 yen. So uh, like 300 bucks. Somewhere? Yeah, but 3,000. Like 3, yeah. Yeah. The note was addressed. It was signed by Naoto Date, which is the real name of the titular character in Tiger Mask. Oh, okay. And you're like, okay, so that's that's kind of neat. Whatever. Some, some random anonymous person made a donation. I was also trying to find common writer, you know, anything. Didn't find anything. But I found... Like, as the story goes on, there was that initial donation. Oh, here it is in U.S. dollars. That's more helpful. Uh, that's about $360 per backpack, hmm. U.S. Wow. Uh, then there was a second donation, again, from the same person. 
in January of 2011. But what happened after that was it sparked a whole bunch of copycat donations. There were over 100 donations inspired by that tiger mask donation. And they were all addressed from like Haruhi Suzumiya, Ray Ayanami, oh, wow. Arsene Lupin. They were just <laughs> all of these random donations to different places signed after these different famous anime characters. There was 100,000 yen in cash in an envelope. <laughs> Just like all sorts of these random donations. And I was hoping that this was like a cool thing that continued, but it doesn't seem like it happened. Uh, if you want to check it out, there's a Wikipedia page for it. Uh, Tiger Mask Donation Phenomenon. Search it up on Wikipedia. I really wanted it to be a thing, so at least I could be like, well, here's the charity. But um, didn't happen. I also learned that um, why charities are less of a thing in Japan. So that's cool. Yeah. Oh, why is that? A part of it stems from modesty. Okay. Yeah. As a value. And part of it stems from there are less tax benefits for charities in Japan. Oh, okay. So people are less likely to donate because they're like, well, I don't want to do this in public. Which I guess is why the tiger mask thing works. And the other part is there's less benefit to doing so. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's your not really a spotlight this week. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you were listening to us on iTunes, we'd love it if you'd leave a, uh, a rating or review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more people will know where to find us. And uh, if you if you hit the subscribe button even, that would help us tremendously as well. This is delivered hot and fresh to your uh, virtual doorstep every Friday. We are The Knicks Cast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. We've got like convention coverage on our YouTube every Monday while we're doing the podcast. You can check us out on twitch.tv slash The Knicks Cast. Please also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash the next cast, you can become a patron of the next cast. What does that mean? Well, it means by uh, pledging to help us out, even as little as a dollar as a month goes a long way. You help us to produce this fantastic content. You help us to make the Twitch streams happen. You help us to make the convention coverage happen. You help us to make Fanthropological Arcade, our weekly Let's Play, and anything else that we decide to do. You help to make that all that possible because unfortunately this is not our day jobs um so check that out patreon.com slash the next cast and you can follow us of course on twitter as was already mentioned but in case you're wondering what we're up to this very instant you can use the hashtag fanthro that's hashtag f-a-n-t-h-r-o to find our tweets and uh all that sort of stuff Oh man, there's one thing that cannot go unmentioned. Yeah. And that is, of course, the race against time. Now in its third year, uh, the next cast is our annual charity live stream where we work our way through Chrono Trigger, obtaining all its endings, and raising money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. Last year we raised over $1,200 Canadian. We have plans to surpass that if you are interested in Chrono Trigger, helping people with Alzheimer's, doing good in the world watching a bunch of people do stupid stuff on the internet for 24 hours or possibly more. Yeah. Any of these things. If that checks mm-hmm. any of the boxes, you've got nothing to do. That's all cool. On August 12th, we will be holding the event. You can check out twitch.tv slash the race against time. That'll be in the show notes and all over the place. Or you can go to raceagainsttime.io or raceagainsttime.io slash stream. That'll all take you to the same spot. Also includes a lot of information about what's going on guests that we'll be having things we'll be giving away things we'll be auctioning just gives you all the information check all that out and uh looking forward to seeing you there 
or hearing you or whatever chat things words uh, stuff. acknowledging your presence over the internet yes i mean possibly directly mm-hmm. you can also donate now if you can't make it to the event you can go to raceagainsttime.io slash donate all of the donations go directly to the alzheimer's society of canada doesn't even go to us don't have to worry about any of that it's our page but it goes straight to the alzheimer's society which you will see when you make the donation so if you can't make it do that hey yeah they would appreciate it we'll shout you out yeah yes when we have donations before we get started we should definitely shout out to all the people who were kind enough to make donations whether or not they can make it top of the show you <laughs> will be you will be acknowledged yeah so head over to racingagainsttime.io and now for something completely different. Alright, next week we're not going back to England. We have seen everything that it has to offer. We've seen it we're all. Going. We've seen it all. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's also over. We've seen everything. <laughs> Climbed up Arthur's seat and just took a good look. And thought, you know what? Let's move on. Yep. yep. We went to France and, you know, our Saint Lupin, that was it. That was all that there was. Mm-hmm. Next week, we're visiting another country. We are venturing further south east mm-hmm. into uh, Europe. Yeah, yeah, further into Europe. Yeah. I was going to say yep. Italy, but I couldn't think of how to describe Italy because it's varied. But we are moving into Italy, not permanently. We're on a trip, of course. <laughs> Ankle deep. Ankle deep. <laughs> oh. Yep, we're going to have to get our boots on. Uh. <laughs> You took something subtle and made it less subtle. (laughs) We're talking about famous last words for next week's fandom, which is going to be something I know absolutely nothing about. Next week's fandom focused more from an Italian perspective. We are talking about rock progressivo Italiano. Yeah. I'm so lost. Um, Listen listen to some uh, Rhapsody, a.k.a. Rhapsody of the Fire. I'll catch you right down. up. Are they Italian? They are, yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, Z, since you opened your mouth first, what are your famous last words mm-hmm. about next week's fandom? My famous last words are all of the uh, prog rock bands in Italy, fans of each other. Good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> Gee, you go, because I've got... <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, I got nothing. Now, I, I am a prog rock fan. I know a fair bit about prog rock. Italian prog rock, I know very little about. So my question you know, statement, sort of guiding principle for like kind of what I'll be looking at is how much of Italian prog rock is taken from British prog rock and how much is taken from like other Italian music. That's mm-hmm. I just want I want to see how Italian italian prog rock is basically because yeah. i have a very good idea of what british prog rock and american prog rock sound like hmm. i have the dumbest quite like what is no can one of you just like briefly explain to me what it is before i even think to utter something about it it's not useful <laughs> to have a famous last word which is like what is it why is do you it? mean prog rock or italian prog rock because the answer to italian prog rock is whatever the description of prog rock is but italian Okay, start with, okay, just okay. concisely, yeah. what is prog rock? Okay, uh, it started with psychedelic music in the late 60s, moving into the early 70s. Prog rock uh, was an attempt to make rock more respected as a genre, but, but used a lot of elements of classical music and jazz music. Uh, 
like uh kind of as a proof to like people who are really good musicians can still play rock music it can be more grown up than just like you know pop rock or whatever so it's like longer forms more intricate passages lots of key changes and time signatures like a lot of it is like overtly showy to be like look at how complicated we can we can make what we're <laughs> writing or like look how how good we are as, okay. as musicians but like okay yeah and also a lot of fantasy themes a lot of sci-fi themes a lot of it's like anti-pop basically okay cool yeah all right is phil collins prog rock i mean i can answer that you can't or can't i can oh is he yes okay he's a drummer for genesis perfect all right <laughs> i've got my famous last words they're very appropriate okay. Who is the progressive rock progressivo italiano equivalent to Phil Collins? Oh, that's a perfect question. I know. That's a perfect question. It's just a little bit stupid. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm so excited for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to save that excitement and put it in a bottle, but then throw that bottle away because no liquids under uh, over 100 milliliters are allowed on a flight. No. And I'm pretty sure we're taking a flight. But unless we're going over land... Do they take debit t- <laughs> on the flight? <laughs> probably. You can probably buy more hype on the flight. Yeah. Yeah. But it's coming out of your pocket because uh, we're flying budget. Oh, no. Yep. So we'll have to find out how that flight turns out next time. I wanted a Eurorail pass, but no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Flapping our capes in the breeze as we talk about the fans of Arsène Lupin. Nice. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This episode has been uh, removed from the website for copyright infringements. (laughs) For copyright. (laughs) Got me now. (laughs) For for copyright of this 15-year-old teenager... Playing You Really Got Me on his guitar on YouTube. Have a ukulele. How long can it be to learn? <laughs> Man. Well, should we move on to the verdict? Gavel sound. That's not what a gavel sounds like. I better get a new one. Ding! What? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the is verdict the new... oh, is what the verdict is that the new sound i was going to say i don't know <laughs> continuing an off mic conversation <laughs> <laughs> that's how we do See, notes to yep. myself uh the verdict is of course part of the show where we pass